How can generative AI impact the field of static code analysis? How Salesforce AI models like Code D5 contribute to code readability and best practices? What role does data privacy play in Clayton's approach to AI? Welcome to Artificial Intelligence Innovations Meets App Exchange, the bi-weekly show that explores the impact of AI in the Salesforce ecosystem. I'm Jakub Stefaniak, Salesforce Certified Technical Architect and VP of Technology Strategy and Innovation at Akiva Labs, where we help App Exchange partners accelerate their adoption of the latest technologies and get the most out of their Salesforce partnership. In each episode, we sit down with leaders from App Exchange ecosystem to discuss the latest trends and innovation in AI, product development opportunities, and ethical considerations. Our goal is to address critical challenges faced by business, build a community of engaged professionals, and provide insights into the latest trends and innovation in AI to help you stay informed and ahead of the curve. So, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's dive into the world of AI and App Exchange. Thank you a lot for accepting our invitation. So, at the beginning, could you introduce yourself and your role in App Exchange ecosystem? Sure. Hi, Jacob. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Lorenzo Frattini. I'm the founder and CEO of Clayton. What we do essentially is a code review automation software as a service for people in the Salesforce ecosystem. So we work with companies that have you know, their own Salesforce implementation, but we also help consulting team and partners, app builder to code review their applications. And you know, there are a number of reasons why you might want to do that. But yes, this is, this is what we do. So probably my kind of take on this topic would be a slightly different perspective because while most traditional app exchange um, apps, what they do is they serve the users in the Salesforce, the Salesforce users in, in, in the org. We serve the developers and the companies who have developers. So it's kind of a slightly different take, I, I suppose, to what you're typically used to talk about here. But, you know, hopefully this will be an interesting chat. And as you as well are a Salesforce Certified Technical Architect, I believe we can go a little bit more geeky than usual in this Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that. <laughs> yeah, so, amazing. Maybe talking about Clayton, your application is not like published on the App Exchange as managed packages that connected directly to the repository, right? Correct. So because, I mean, there are technical reasons for that mostly. The, when you analyze code and metadata, which is what we do, the type of applications that allowed to do that are very computational intensive. And so we had to build our product off the Salesforce platform, although we deal with code and metadata that are developed on Salesforce and for Salesforce, our infrastructure-wise, our technology runs off platform. So this is kind of a, the reasons why we had to design the, the product this way. And because we interact with what developers do, we, we integrate with version, with source control tools like GitHub, Bitbucket, Azure DevOps, th those kind of tools that are traditionally off-platform as well. I'm very happy to have you here because like static code analysis and code reviews are one of these areas when lots of people see potential power of generative AI. You can copy paste old code, bad code, get some insights how to fix it. But on the other hand, 
you can get lots of results which are far from true or are a bit outdated. There are some hallucinations. And I'm curious to maybe at the beginning here, what are your thoughts about how generative and AI can impact the whole market of static code analyzing software? Well, in general, I think I think this is a very good, great point. I mean, the technology, the acceleration of it, of AI has been in the last few years phenomenal, and of course, we are starting to see this point where technology is being adopted across all fields. And of course, the real exciting part is when we start seeing how AI is like changing the different categories of software, and so for. Static analyzers, well, my perspective would be more on the developers. So what, what is, how can developers take advantage of AI? And of course, there is a lot of exciting stuff around, you know, the language processing innovations and the fact that we can now prompt AI to write code for us, which is super exciting. And potentially, I think this is, this is where, this is a moment where, you know, developers what is the place of a developer? If we have a world where, you know, code can be written by starting from a prompt, it's uh, it's definitely kind of a big challenge for the entire profession, right? Like uh, there is, of course, there will be businesses, let's put it this way, there will be businesses with a strong temptation to automate a lot of the development so that, you know, it's, it's cheaper, right? Think about what happened with like... Uh, the tendency to offshore of developments, go where developments are, where the cost of, of labor of software engineers is lower, but at the same time, the quality of software engineering is high. So there, there will be definitely that pressure coming from the, the generative AI in the development in the software engineering field, which is, is definitely something that's a big challenge, but is also personally, I see all changes as opportunities to adapt and kind of opportunities to improve, right, in many ways. So that is definitely a something that I see would happen, the temptation of businesses to kind of say, I don't need a developer, I can have this code written by AI, but we as engineers, as, as CTAs, uh, as experts, we know how crazy that would sound like to a professional, right? So there is definitely an interesting thing going on there, but nevertheless, I believe that this push will be there. We will have to deal with that. We will have to learn how to, what are the weaknesses of the code that is generated by AI. We will need to figure out what the risks are in doing this approach. And as always, navigate companies and businesses through this you know, technology wave and help them figure out how to use this technology in the best way and how not to use it as well. So I guess that's what, you know, it's coming and it's coming, you know, it's around the corner for, for, for most of us. And it can be interesting for static code analyzers too, because then to be sure that you don't have hallucinations, you can have one AI to generate your code and another one to verify does it fulfill some standards. But what came to my mind that, you know, looking on the history of computer science, we don't really care how our assembler code looks like nowadays. Nobody has access to it. And the question would be, in the last years, we focus on writing clean code, on the fact that most of the time people are reading code, not developing it, and so on. 
but if most of the code is going to be generated by AI in a hypothetical world, I'm not saying that it's possible, but if it will happen, let's say, then do we will need to still verify that this code is fulfilling the standards? I think, I think absolutely yes. So the, um, I guess doing a step back, these models are incredible. And, you know, I know that for many people feel like almost magical, but they are big, you know, regression machines. And what they do is they do a lot of interpolation and learning from code that has been written by humans. And so the code that is generated by AI will carry the same flows and the same mistakes that humans have made over time are writing code and, and the same patterns and the, the fact that some humans write clean code and some don't. All these things we will continue seeing in the code that is generated by AI. And that's kind of inheriting how AI works and how these generative models work. So there is definitely a need and, and that's also the place that we are, we want to take in, in the space where you want to validate code in a deterministic way. You don't want, I mean, we can be very, AI can be very powerful to detect anti-patterns, to look for anomalies and stuff like that. But when it comes to code, there is a, it's important to perform, we believe, also deterministic validation of it. So that we know for sure there are certain things that we are we know are damaging will not happen, and in that sense, it's not very different to review code that is written by a human or by a artificial intelligence. They both can have the same flaws, and we start from there. And it's one of these uh, edge cases when I can easily imagine generative AI like Google's Bat, for example, to create Python code or Java code because it can compile it, proceed errors, compile it again and deliver me something that works. But in terms of Salesforce ecosystem, the main challenge is the fact that with multi-cloud computing, ChatGDP is not going to compile my Apex class. So like some even syntax errors are kind of expected and technically it's not going to be easy for them to solve it. How Clayton is uh, solving this kind of the problems when you provide recommendations how to change code? So it's a great question. So, the so what you're saying is very true in the sense that when we look at this type of business applications, we are developing on, on languages that are way, way less common than, you know, Python, Java, and JavaScript, right? So these are proprietary applications or adaptation, proprietary languages or adaptation of like, maybe that borrow a lot from other languages, but are, you know, they are different. And that comes with the fact that generative models will struggle a bit more with these languages. But I think that's kind of something that can be worked. So syntax-wise, they will catch up. I, I don't see that as a kind of a big problem, but there is an element of domain-specific best practice that will remain relevant. So as usual, we go back to kind of my point, my earlier point, right? So the um, code that is written, it doesn't really matter whether it's a human or it's an AI will have likely certain flaws. And, and that's kind of what we're doing at Clayton. We are reviewing code. And even when this code is generated by AI, we kind of treat it in the same way. 
I mean, if you if you let me kind of explain a little bit mm -hmm. more about our approach, yes, the typical, the, the traditional way to do static analysis is, I am oversimplifying here, but developers, what will tend to do is they will tend to use linting technology, linters or, or similar tools. What they do is they perform an analysis that is very fast. These tools are very, very fast, but their understanding of code is limited. They are unable to, in most of in most cases, you know, traverse calls, understand types and inheritance, understand how variables propagate. So there are different type of techniques, and you know, it's nothing new here. This is, you know, these are techniques that have been used in interpreters and compilers for a, a very long time. But the type of analysis that we use combines a number of techniques borrowed from different fields of computer science. So we do a little bit of what linters do, but we also do a little bit of what compilers do or interpreters do to understand inheritance, for example, or understand how calls, a kind of expression can call into other classes and other methods to kind of replicate the validation that a human would need to do, a human architect, a human reviewer, but in a much much faster and, and efficient way. So what I like about what we're doing is that we are kind of borrowing from many, many different fields, AI being one of them, but also static analysis is the techniques that are used in static analysis are used in many, in many applications like compilers, as I mentioned before. So I personally am a big fan. I'm, I'm really love kind of bringing this, this field together and see how we can use the existing algorithms and the existing techniques to solve problems that are domain specific. So that's, that's something that I really like about the approach we are taking. Mm -hmm. So the static analysis world is, um, it, it can be as complex as you want it to be, depending on whether you, what kind of level of accuracy you expect to have and trade off, how you trade off accuracy and speed as well. And it brings me to another question, because knowing that you are creating this product from quite some time and generative AI is a very medial trend, but like from a few months, right? I'm curious, do you see any changes in your strategy and like potential new use cases in your product or do you are following similar approach with deep loving in this more classical way of compilator focused algorithmic architecture as you described? So we, we've been using AI for a while and experimenting with it before OpenAI and ChatGPT came out. And we've been doing a lot of research and development and kind of the timing of, I'm super excited that this topic is now more, more discussed because, you know, we can, can have more people are receptive now to these type of things that, you know, we've been excited about for a long time. So the, yes, I see changes and we are changing our product as well. So like, for example, we've been one of the things that you will be familiar with, with is like with static analysis is, you know, they often flag issues in code, mm -hmm. but sometimes these issues are like straightforward enough to fix. They're kind of unambiguous, right? And so what we've been working on is the possibility for our product to suggest changes. So what we do is what we call kind of a code transformation. We are, we are able to take a code that has a problem and propose a transformation of this code that doesn't have the problem anymore. And we do this using a formal approach of code transformation. But what we are starting to do is also to, to introduce AI in, in parts of this transformation. So I'll give you an example for that. This is not a kind of a 
major problem in terms of code uh, security, but there is a best practice that relate to code readability in general, and, and that is a big part of clean code around commenting your code or commenting your tests when you perform assertions. One interesting thing that we are doing is when we detect uh, the way Clayton works is in most of the cases developer or, or let's say developer, developer open pull request, Clayton will do a validation and tell you, you know, this code is secure, is scalable, can be merged or code is not scalable or maybe scalable but not secure, cannot be merged or code is okay, go ahead and merge it. And we do this based on a number of, a bunch of rules. So a bunch of checks that we perform. But what we are now doing is, and we now open pull request ourselves. So the bot can now suggest fixes and, and physically do what developers do. So create a change in the code and open a pull request. We follow the same pattern. It's like having kind of another developer in your team. And we're using AI in this uh, particular use case because if a developer will omit an assertion, an assertion comment, what we do is we do a transformation and, and suggest a string, but the string that we suggest is generated using code summarization, which is a type of AI, a type of task that we delegate to AI. So the effect of it is that it's like have, we have this mix of formal and AI generative tasks and we combine them together and they open up more possibilities for developers awesome. too. So that, that it's not just, creepy. yeah, sorry. It's a, I'm very excited about this stuff because it's, we can combine, we can take all the cool stuff that AI can do, but kind of use it in a way that is deterministic and is really augmenting what developers can do and ultimately make them faster. So. It's, a, it's kind of uncharted territory for us. So we are still piloting this thing. We, are, we have built the tech. It's, now it's, it's to see how teams and, and customers will respond. But I'm very excited for this kind of stuff. It's really, really the first time we can start putting these things together so easily. And I think it's super important because with all even Salesforce generative AI, garbage in, garbage out. So as long as we have poor quality of code in the Salesforce org, this newly generated code is going to be the same quality, right? And may I ask, what kind of generative AI do you use in the backend? So we've been playing with a few models. One model that we really use to some success that we are kind of embedding in a, in a pilot way is the code T5. So Coty5 is a, is a generative, is a summarization, perform summarization tasks, and at least we use it for that. I think it can perform other tasks as well, but it allows us to, so it's something that Salesforce researchers put out. So we kind of have an affinity with that team because of course, the, our focus on this platform and we were able with some very, very good success in integrating it. And this also helps us doing the entire compute without, within our boundaries. We don't have to send data out that will feed, in, feed another learning model. We don't want to do that because of course it's very, we manage code that doesn't, that belongs to our customers. We need to be very careful with where that code resides and where it's sent. So we cannot really send it out. 
And this model actually allowed us to perform the entire compute within our infrastructure. Let me paraphrase it to make sure that I understand correctly. So you are not using like this model via API, but you have like kind of a hosted instance, which then you are like using as part of your application directly. Is it correct? Yes. So at the moment we, we, we do that. So the, our platform allows us to have the flexibility to define different approaches to combining AI and, and, and the rules that we perform. But at the moment we are using for the specific summarization task, we are using code T5. Uh, this might change in the future. And we are where we are careful is about calling out third parties because the, the, there are implications there. But yes, at the moment, we perform these computations completely within our applications. So yes. Awesome. And usually I will ask how it's going to make impact on your pricing because of using APIs and so on. But like. You cut me out of the questions in this area, which is very unexpected, but great to learn something. Thank you a lot. And you mentioned that this model particularly was developed by Salesforce team. So I'm curious, like if you were as part of research and development, comparing it to different models, have you seen that is like much better in terms of uh, Salesforce specific code comparing to, for example, OpenAI or Bart API? That's a good question. So, and I, I don't believe I have enough data to, to tell you that comfortably and with confidence. I think from what we, from our test on this specific use case, Codify performed just as well. It's a very specific task. Like summarization of code means you, know, you take a, you take a bunch of code and you ask the AI, the model, what does it do in natural language? And you can generate comments out of it. You can generate strings to describe assertions. That is what we do. And the task is relatively simple in, in the sense that the, we don't see significantly a significant performance difference between the models that we've tested. So we're very happy with how Codify is performing on this one. Okay. But of course, there is, I think that there is still area for us to explore in terms of what's possible. And I feel we are just at the beginning of combining our technology that kind of integrates into the development workflow and the DevOps pipeline, integrating this type of ideas and, and technologies. And, and there is so much that probably is possible that we are still, we still don't know yet. So it's possible that we will explore other models and we will gain more insight into how different models perform compared to each other. But so far, in general, the technology is, is, is quite surprisingly good. And I think it's worth to keep in mind that we are just at the beginning of this AI revolution, right? So we will see what the next months are going to bring. Awesome, Lorenzo, one more time, thank you for sharing your insights and having time for us today. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Jacob, for inviting me. And anytime, it's a, I, I, I really love nerding out about this stuff. So thanks for the invite. I appreciate. Thank you so very much for tuning into this episode of AI Innovations Meets App Exchange. We hope you enjoyed the insightful discussion and found this episode valuable. To stay updated on our latest episodes, be sure to sign up for our newsletter and never miss a beat. If you have any questions or want to engage with us further, we'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Until next time, keep exploring the exciting world of AI and app exchange.